Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the show. This week we are talking all about downsizing and this is definitely Beck's bag. Uh, This is what she does on a, would you say, daily, weekly basis? (laughs) Mick does it on a daily basis, um, mm-hmm. definitely, and I help out on a yeah weekly basis, I guess. And you've been helping people downsize for years, haven't you? Yep, um, uh, almost ten years now. Yeah, right. That, wow. So that Mick's been part of the business. Yeah. So you're going to be able to tell us all about downsizing, and when we're talking about downsizing, we're basically talking about just reducing the volume of your belongings. And quite often we think about it in terms of when people are older, moving to a smaller home, but that's not always the case, is it? No, it's not. And I, when I talk about downsizing, I, I'm associating it with a move simply because I use decluttering if you're not moving, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's just easier for me in my business to understand that it, like to use different terms for decluttering without moving and decluttering with moving. So um, I call decluttering with moving downsizing. But yes, you can just downsize your possessions and stay in the same home. Uh, but I I prefer to call that decluttering because yeah, in our business, if Mick and I were to use downsizing for decluttering without moving, we would both get very confused about <laughs> what we were doing <laughs> with each client. So yeah, so I think, and for the purposes of this episode, we will we're talking about downsizing with a move because it's moving May. That's right. But so what's the biggest difference between downsizing and just regular moving? So with regular moving, you take what you own and you take it with you and you might get rid of some stuff along the way. But with downsizing, you have to get rid of some stuff. So you cannot take all of the stuff with you from one house to the other because the second house is smaller. Mm. So... Like I said, I relate it most often to people that are older and Mm. in retirement. That's kind of my generic, I guess, stance on thinking about downsizing. But it's not always older people, is it? No, and you're right. Like most most of them are older people and they're moving because like the home is too big for them or it's too much maintenance or they just feel like they're rattling around in a big five-bedroom home when there's just the two of them now or just the one of them and so um, they they move because of that or or they want uh, cheaper maintenance sometimes um, people who are at retirement age move just so that they can be part of a community of people that are in the same stage of life as them so instead of being in a street where there's a whole range of different people at different stages of life they are in a small community with like-minded people at the same stage so They might not necessarily want to have a smaller home, but they don't get much choice because if they want to go and live in a retirement village, they're going to get a smaller home because there's no five-bedroom retirement village units. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are younger people uh, who downsize too. Like there are some people who have to downsize for financial reasons. So if they uh, have financial difficulty and need a smaller value home, often the footprint of that home will be smaller as well. So they move um, to ease the financial stress. Um, Some just move because they've downsized and they realise they don't need a big home anymore. I mean, they've – sorry, (laughs) I just used – see, this is where it's confusing – they have decluttered their possessions um, to the point where they realise that their home is too big for them and they would like a smaller one. Or they might be downsizing just to simplify. So, uh, Or it could be you know, a, a life stages thing. So you could find yourself single and not needing a home the same size anymore. So you would downsize in that case as well. So there's lots of different reasons, but it's mostly retirement that does it. Yeah, well... Our current experience, I guess, you would call downsizing because yeah. we've gone from a big house in Australia with all our stuff to a much smaller house in the US with not very much of our stuff, um, but it's temporary, I guess, which is the unique bit about our situation. So we didn't mm. we didn't have to sell or get rid of permanently a lot of our stuff. We've just put it in storage. But generally the process of deciding what to take 
was a lot more drastic than if we were just moving to the same size house. Yeah. So you, you went through the similar process. You made decisions about what was coming with you and what wasn't. Mm. Uh, it's just that the things that weren't coming with you were mostly being, I mean, apart from cars and big things like that, were mostly sort of just being kept by you in a different place. Mm. Um, but yeah, but essentially you did downsize. So you've gone to a smaller home um, for a while. So let's maybe start with the similarities of moving. What are the things that you see regardless of, of whether someone's moving or just moving to a house or the same size or, or downsizing to a smaller place? So when you downsize, you still have to pack your stuff. You uh. still have to move it. <laughs> you still need a truck. Um, you have to unpack. Uh, you still have to set up all of the stuff in the new place. You have to get you, you, new utilities set up and all those kinds of things. Uh, you still need to make sure that you clean the old place and you have it looking ready for whatever it is that's going to happen to that place, whether it's being sold or rented out or going to a new tenant. Um, so you still got to do all that kind of stuff. Um, those, those are the similarities. Mm-hmm. So then the differences... Uh, Obviously, we're talking about downsizing. So the biggest difference is that your next home is smaller than your current home. So that's the biggest difference. And therefore, uh, your furniture might not fit. And not just the amount of furniture you've got. So let's say the amount of furniture, if you've got uh, four bedrooms and you've got four queen beds in those bedrooms and you're moving to a three-bedroom house, then obviously one bed is not going to fit. But it's not just the numbers of beds, it's also the size of the bed. So you might have a king bed in your current house and the new house, the main bedroom is too small for that. And so you would need to um, change that as well. So the current furniture will not often fit. And things like big bulky lounges won't fit in smaller places as well. You end up with less walk space if you take the same furniture. So that's sort of um, a big difference is that the the scale and the volume of the furniture might not fit. Yeah, I remember um, my grandma's kind of uh, sad moment when she was downsizing was getting rid of the big dining table because Mm. that was like the meeting place. And she said, I still want to have everyone over, but I'm not going to be able to fit 12 people around the table in my new Mm. place because there's no way I can take a table that size. And that was just yeah. just part of it. And it wasn't that she didn't love the table or she didn't want to keep using it that way. It was just simply that her little retirement village didn't have the space for a table that big. Or it would be yeah. she'd have a table and no lounge room, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it would be all dining space. All dining space, yeah. Yeah, No, and one chair to, and a television. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's – yeah, and that's pretty much what happens is that the, the furniture just doesn't fit. Um, so because of that – with a downsize, you have to part with stuff before you move, preferably before. That's something we're going to talk about. Um, and you also have the added job of figuring out where all that extra stuff that you're not taking with you is going to go. So the, there's a much bigger burden on decision-making, isn't there, with this? Um, like- yeah, because you don't – your choices are limited. Like when you're just decluttering in your own house, it, it – it's there already (laughs) and so if you decide to keep it nothing really changes but if you uh decide to keep items that you are taking to the new place um there's it's not going to fit there isn't an easy solution so you actually don't have as much choice about what stays and goes you you actually get a bit of the choices taken away from you simply by the physics of the amount of space you have Mm. and i guess all that decision making takes time as well Yes, you have to start this really soon. Like, mm. um, like we talked about with moving, this as soon as you know you're doing it, start. And in fact, even if you're like, if you're listening now and you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s, start thinking about when you're going to downsize. Start thinking about it now. Like, it's something that it's kind of a bit of the Swedish death cleaning concept. You know, you should always be thinking about what's going to happen to your possessions when you're gone and um, similarly to when you're gone you can think what is going to happen to my possessions when I downsize Uh, so so starting early is is really important and you can start thinking about it right now obviously it goes into high gear when you actually have plans but it's worth having it in the back of your mind all the time 
just to save you a little bit of extra work at the at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I use that as a bit of a cue when I'm sorting or decluttering my stuff, especially things that have been given to me. I think, will my kids want this? If it's something that I'm not actively using or I don't really, really love, especially sentimental things, I think, okay, if it's tucked away, I'm keeping it for sentimental reasons. Will my kids want this? And a lot of it, mm. that it's not sentimental for them. They've got no connection to it. So it's like, oh, okay, either I cut this around with me for the next 40 years and then my kids come across it and think, why the heck did you hold on to that? Or I can let it go now and have more space mm. now. So I think it's like it's worth having that little lens on sometimes, especially if you're struggling with decluttering. And this is what I think about with a lot of people ask me about birthday cards. You know, do you, do you keep kids' mm. birthday cards or like the cards that you were given at your wedding or whatever? And I think, well, I remember my mum giving me a book with every birthday card I got up until about my 12th birthday, all stuck in a scrapbook. And it was huge or it was a couple of scrapbooks. And I was like, that's great, mum. What do you want me to do with them? She goes, I don't know. I'll save them for you. I'm like, I don't want them. <laughs> what am I going to mm. do with them? And so I think about it like that. So I didn't hold on to my all the cards. I let them go. In fact, I think I even threw them in a bonfire. Thanks, Dad, for uh, <laughs> helping me win that one. But... It's like, okay, I haven't held on to my kids' cards because I think, well, they probably won't want them. But also I've let go of anything else like that that I think if I didn't want that for myself, my kids are not going to want my birthday cards for my entire life. So it's that whole thing mm. about what are you burdening your children with yeah, or your family yeah, with. Yeah. Mm. And also if they if they did want them, it it's not a big deal. Like they'd just be like, Oh, where are all my cards? You know, I, it's not, it's unlikely that they would want them. But even if they did, it's not the end of the world because it's, it doesn't change their life any from yep. not having them. Yeah. And there's a so, few, yeah. there's a few special things that I've taken photos of and a few special things that yeah. I've kept, obviously. I haven't chucked everything. Um, but yeah. the stuff of mine that I never bothered looking at. I don't keep to pass on to them because if I'm not interested, yeah. I don't think they'll ever be interested. Yeah. Mm. Well, are they going to want that bottle of Royal Port? <laughs> oh, yeah. It might might have risen in price to $75 <laughs> by the time I've passed away. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so with making the decisions about what stays and goes, and I guess it, this is just sort of normal decluttering principles and all of our episodes kind of a. Um, you can look back on for for extra inspiration on how helping how the for extra inspiration on deciding what stays and goes and there's a recent one I think we did which was making decisions when decluttering so that one would be possibly quite useful um but what the first thing that you should do is if this is possible and I would if I were you I would go to great lengths to make this possible is to measure up the new place and know how much space you have now you might not be able to do that when you start like I said starting early is really important and you might not even have a new place to go to when you make the decision to start decluttering but if you can measure up the new space you will know what furniture will fit and what won't um, draw it up uh, draw it up to scale. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect, but to scale is pretty important um, to see where things will fit in the new place and, and help you make the decisions about your furniture and understand that, you know, even though, and it might settle some arguments as well with, you know, partners who say, you know, I want to take this table, dining table, for example, and you can show them on the picture that if they do take that dining table, that there is no room for a couch um, as well. So they, that will help with decision making is um, measuring it all up um it's if nothing is going to fit then it's best to get rid of it before you go because if you keep it and take it with you then you're just going to be living amongst it while you then have to work out how to get rid of it yeah and it would really impact the way you start off that new mm. journey in the in the new place because um if things are oversized it's not going to be an enjoyable place to live while you try and figure mm. out how to get rid of them. Um, yeah, exactly. Mm. 
stuff yeah, stacked we've, up everywhere. We've put clients we've put clients before in in retirement villages where or in units where Mick has said to them this is not going to fit and they've said we don't care we want it anyway and then afterwards they've called him back and they've said hey this doesn't fit can you get rid of it for us uh, you know and and they know they knew he was right they, they often laugh about it and say yeah we should have listened to you but they just wanted to try it but i i would say save yourself that stress and the extra expense because if you it, whether you hire someone like Mick or whether you do this yourself it's if you get rid of um let's say you've got a, a side sideboard that you want to take to the new place but it's a bit of a risk you know it's quite big but you take it anyway so what's happening is that sideboard comes on the truck to the new place and then because it's big and heavy it needs a truck to go to an auction house or to be sold um, somewhere else after the fact and so you have to get that added expense whereas if you get rid of it the first time it goes with all the other things that are being discarded so um, there's extra expense in getting rid of stuff after the fact as well as the inconvenience of living around it Mm. and the problem with every move is there's always the risk of damage and breakage and stuff like that yeah so you know if things are in good condition and it's most likely they're not going to fit if you sell them immediately um, mm. or, as, or as soon as, as practical before you move, then there's less chance of them being damaged in the move and then figuring out that you need to get rid of them anyway and getting less yeah. for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with sentimental stuff, obviously there's a lot of sentimentality involved in downsizing, especially if you've been in a home for a long time and you've collected lots of stuff and you've been alive for 80 years, you know, there's lots of stuff that is uh, that has an, an emotional attachment or emotional impacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a, and it's a really old episode, so I actually looked up the date to make it easier for you to find it, but we did an episode on sentimental stuff on the 21st of November 2018, so you can find that on our website for sort of extra details on, on sentimental stuff. But probably the two or three main methods that I use to help ease the stress of the sentimental declutter is uh, taking photos of things. Um, It makes the letting go a bit easier because you still have something to trigger the memories that you want to retain. We also talked in that episode about using the idea of how much is enough. So how many items in that category do you need and how many still give you that that memory and that warm fuzzy but then apply that to your new home so if it's a library or a book collection or something like that rather than taking all can you take a sample can you take the best of the best Um, same with you know it might be ornaments or collectible plates or whatever it is Mm -hmm. rather than taking the entire collection can you pick your best of and it will still remind you of all the wonderful plates that you've collected and maybe you've got photos of the rest but you could just display your favorite plate or your favorite two plates rather than all 20 that you've collected yeah and you want the new place there's two different there's two different types of people who who when they downsize one is the get rid of everything and start fresh i want a new decor and I want new everything. So there's those people and they are quite excited about getting rid of all their old stuff mm-hmm. and they quite happily part with it so that they can make room for the new. Then there's the other group of people who uh, very much want the new place to feel homely and feel like the old home. And in that case, they need to bring lots of that home with them in order to do so. So again, ask yourself how much is enough that it feels like home but it's not crowded. Um, So that's a really important um, question. The thing that stops lots of us decluttering is always that idea of I might need it someday. So how do you get around that with people back when they're downsizing? Because there's lots of, there would be lots of items. I'm thinking of things like sheds. And I remember Mm -hmm. my Um, grandparents when they first went from a big family home to a smaller home and they looked they searched for ages because it had to be a small home because my nana wanted less maintenance but it had to have a huge shed because my pa didn't want to part with any of his stuff and trying to find a (laughs) tiny home with a massive shed they looked for years but eventually they found something but like 
if you're downsizing your all your garden tools and you know um, mm. power tools, all that kind of stuff, how do you get past the idea of I might need it someday? Yeah, that is the shed stuff and things like office supplies mm-hmm. and and spare like uh, household chemicals and cleaning stuff. Those are all categories that people really do struggle to reduce. So there are a couple of things that you can do. Um, firstly, think of ways that you can live without those items. So how might you use your ingenuity to either borrow the item, buy it only when you need it, um, make do without, improvise, all those kinds of things uh, to survive without it. So if there are, you know, 50 jars of nails in all different sizes, just think about what you might be able to do if you need a nail and you don't have those 50 jars. You could go down to Bunnings and buy a small packet of nails in the correct size. So you wouldn't need to keep all of the nails you because you might only ever use three nails out of that 50 jars of nails mm-hmm. in the time that you're going to be living in the house. Um, also, often when you downsize, you go to a retirement village where maintenance is done for you. So a lot of the time the tools are completely unnecessary because somebody else does the maintenance and sometimes somebody else is the only person allowed to do the maintenance you're not actually allowed to tinker yourself at all so that could make it easier um, to let go of things also I think something that's probably quite common within those kind of communities is that whole sharing economy Um, Mm -hmm. plus it gives you an excuse to meet people (laughs) meet your neighbours I mean we came over here we completely forgot to bring Ryan's any of his tools, any of them at all. And the first, <laughs> I don't know, the first couple of days I went to hang the clock and I'm like, where's where's the hammer? And Ryan's like, I don't think we bought any tools with us. And I was <laughs> like, oh, there you go. Um, so we went and talked to a neighbour and borrowed a hammer. And it's like, hello, we're your new Australian yeah. neighbours. But it's like, it's great that we met people that way. And mm. people are happy to lend that stuff out. So Absolutely. that's always a way you can around it i was talking to the manager of a group of retirement villages once and i said to her you know how you have book libraries in most of your apartment complexes and stuff and she said yeah i said you need a stuff library i said you need like a library where things can go that people don't have room for in their new place like but they only use occasionally so like eskies and lawn chairs and um, uh, what's the the American word for esky? Cooler, a cooler I meant. Uh, Umbrellas, garden umbrellas, uh, leaf blowers, uh, punch bowls, like things that you just use really infrequently. Um, Have a library for them and then, you know, can share them. And she she was actually, I thought she looked excited by the idea. I haven't seen that come to... come to play it but I think that's because I haven't built a new one since I last told her but uh, I really think that a stuff library in these places would be amazing but you can create your own stuff library by uh, talking to your neighbors like you said and figuring out who's got what another thing you can do is ask your friends and say all right do you still have a wheelbarrow and if they did then you go right well I don't need to take mine because I'll borrow your wheelbarrow if I ever need one and then ask this another person do you have a hedge trimmer do you have lawn trimmers do you have uh, a drill and all that kind of stuff and if you've got anything that you could if there's enough out there amongst your friends that you can borrow then you won't need to bring them yourself yeah and if you I mean a lot of people are kind of feel a bit bashful about asking but if you make a deal with them that every time you borrow their lawnmower you'll drop off a box of chocolates or a a dozen eggs from your chickens I don't know are you allowed to have chickens in retirement village maybe not but you know what I mean (laughs) like um, yeah yeah like and people will say a bunch of flowers from the garden yeah say no 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 we don't need that we don't expect that you just borrow it but if that makes you feel better that you can de-own all this stuff and borrow what's already out there that's great. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of higher places too. So if, if you did need something like a power drill for the first two weeks while you're in there to hang all your pictures and tighten all the screws on the cupboards or whatever it is, you can go mm. to a higher place, hire a power drill for two weeks and then return it and it's done. Yep. 
Another thing you can do is think of charity stores as a bit of a library or a higher place as well. <laughs> I do this. <laughs> um, so like infrequent use stuff, like so if you've got three dozen parfait glasses, get rid of them. And then if you ever need parfait glasses, go to your local Salvos or Vinnie's and buy a set of them and then return them the next day after you've used them and then go back and get them in another year when you need them again instead of storing them all at your place. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, then set some boundaries around how much stuff you're willing to store. If you've got a tiny little garden shed, maybe you just take your frequently used tools and items. If you've got a pretty small kitchen, then you're going to have to get creative about what you use the most um, and set boundaries around what you're taking. Yeah, work on the space that you've got. You know, if you've got like you said, a garden shed with three shelves in it, then you have three shelves worth of space so that you take three shelves worth of stuff. So the same goes, you know, in your, if your new place, if you had three linen closets in your last place and there is only one small one in the new place, then you only take enough linen that will fit in that. You don't try and take all of the linen from the old place and you adjust your behaviours around linen and how many towels you use and how frequently you wash and all that kind of stuff. You adjust that to, to suit the space because I think working with the space instead of fighting against it is really the most helpful way to go. And you know what? I can actually say that that's something we've done and I didn't know that I would be able to adapt is we, I had multiple sets of bed sheets and doona covers, duvet covers, quilt covers, whatever you want to call them, uh, in Australia. And I was, I knew the linen cupboard here was small, maybe a quarter of the size of our linen cupboard in Australia, if mm-hmm. that. And I was like, ooh, I cannot take a lot of stuff. But I knew that sheets or towels, I'd rather take more towels. I'd rather fill two-thirds of the cupboard with towels than sheets. So we've changed our behaviour that when um, it's tight, the data strip sheets and all the linen off the beds, we do that first thing in the morning. It goes on um, here because there's no outside hanging. It goes from the washing machine into the dryer and you've got to make your bed before the end of the day. So we have the set, only the sets that are on the bed and then one mm. spare set, which is for guests. If COVID ever goes away and we ever have guests <laughs> come and stay. <laughs> um for guests and that's it and I never thought I would because in Australia we would strip the sheets off the beds strip all the linen off and make it straight away with a new set out of the Mm. cupboard and then those sheets might hang around in my laundry for a couple of days before I got to washing them and we've just changed our habit based on what's available the space we have um, and the stuff we own and it's now it's really easy. I feel like I'm going to go back to Australia and be like why do we have some sheet sets? What do we need all these sheets for? (laughs) So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that example. It might give other people some permission to get rid of some of the mm. sheets that they're holding on to for just in case. So what if you've made the decision and you need to get rid of some of your stuff? Yeah, so there's this is the biggest difference between downsizing and moving, and that is that you have a whole lot of things to figure out how to get rid of, basically. Also, another reminder that this takes a long time um, and it can take longer than you think, which you said that before as well, Tara, when you were talking about moving overseas, how getting rid of the cars and all that, all that stuff takes longer than you expect. So start as soon as you possibly can. So start making your decisions about what's unwanted uh, really as soon as you can and start getting rid of them as soon as you can. So there are four kind of tiers I guess of disposal Uh, the first one is sell um, then there is donate or give away then there is recycle and then finally there is trash now obviously you want the smallest amount possible to go to landfill I shouldn't say obviously but we recommend the smallest amount possible go to landfill from an environmental perspective Uh, so if you can sell donate or recycle then then that would be the priority now to give you uh, a little bit of extra money to pay for all of your moving costs if you can sell stuff um, and you want you want and you don't want to give it all away then selling is the first priority then donate give away and recycle and trash so with selling we'll do selling first so there's a few different options for selling when you're downsizing and we have one in particular 
that we recommend with a backup and then we have some that we recommend clients really steer clear of so I'm going to go through a few of those so the first one is garage sales um the pros to a garage sale is um, it can be fun. It can connect you with the community. It's something that you can do yourself uh, so it doesn't cost you. You don't have to pay people to do stuff for you. Um, the negatives about it are that they are a lot of work, um, that you get strangers coming to your house, that you can get ripped off. So if someone uh, walks in and they see your Batossi ashtray sitting there on the $2 table and they know it's worth $80, they will not tell you it's worth $80. They'll pay their $2 and they will run as fast as they can. So that can happen. Um, so there's a few pros and cons with garage sales, but that's definitely one option. One one other thing I can think about that is the temptation then that anything that's unsold that goes back into your house, that, you know, yeah, the stuff true. you're left with. So you, you almost, if you're going to do that, you almost have to make a commitment that anything that's unsold gets donated or whatever like once it's left your house and made it to the garage that it doesn't go back in yeah that's right you give yourself maybe a time limit of of how long you think about what else to do with that thing before you just you know send it off to the donate Mm. we use auction houses for our clients and and it may not necessarily suit everybody but it suits us from a business perspective mainly for um, transparency and accountability because uh, it means that we can be completely upfront with the client about how much things cost and all that kind of stuff and there's no way that we can be seen as you know ripping anyone off or anything like that so the way auction houses work is that they sell your stuff on your behalf and they take a commission and the good thing about that is that they you're not going to get ripped off because they want you to get a high amount for your stuff so they're not really lackadaisical about how they advertise it and all that because the more you make the more they make so it's in their best interest for you to make a lot of money on stuff so they're working in your interests accidentally while they work in their own Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it things go for market price because so you can't again your batossi ashtray is not going to get bought for two dollars because there's going to be a demand for it um so it will raise the price and it will go for a market price rather than for what somebody can get away with paying for um another great thing about auction houses is that it's all gone at once so you stick it all on a truck you send it all there and then they do all of the work photographing it sorting it all out nothing you don't have to do anything on an individual basis for them um the disadvantages are that they take the commission, so you do lose some of the value of your belongings to that. Uh, and also, they don't always take everything that is sellable. So we use auction houses that take as much as possible, but there is still stuff left that they that they won't take um, that you then have to sell another way, um, or you you have to donate. So there's still going to be some stuff left over. So if you decide not to go with an auction house, what are your other options? Uh, You can do what most people are doing, and this is our backup plan um, with with our business, is Marketplace or Craigslist or Gumtree, um, depending on where you live. Um, And that actually is really effective. One of the best things about Marketplace is how quickly things go especially if they're high demand items. So that's really good. If you want a quick turnaround, Marketplace is really good for that. Obviously, there's some negatives as well. Again, you've got strangers coming to your home. If you are, you know, um, a vulnerable person, that might not be something that you want to even consider. So um, that you might cross this off your list altogether if that's if that's what it is. You do also again have the potential of getting ripped off. Um, but generally on marketplace, you will know if you've accidentally priced something really low because you'll get three hundred messages <laughs> all in thirty seconds mm-hmm. saying, "I really want this. I really want this." Um, so generally, you'll 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 get an idea that perhaps you've underpriced something. But you can you can get ripped off. Um, so, yeah, there's pros and cons with, with Marketplace as well. Did you use Marketplace when you moved? Uh, I did Gumtree. Oh, yeah. So, okay. um, but all sorts. Things from, like, the garage, some things that I had to convince Ryan and Ryan to give away, like, or not give away but get rid of, 
um, or sell, mm-hmm. like his old set of golf clubs that he hadn't used for ages and has been talking about buying new ones for ages. So I was like, okay, just let's sell them. Um, and they went really quickly, uh, all sorts of stuff. And then I used mm-hmm. um, eBay for clothing, any clothing oh, yeah. that I was thinking, I haven't worn that for ages. And I was basically considering not taking it with us. <laughs> and so then mm-hmm. I thought if I can live without it for a few years, I can probably live without it forever. So um, I used eBay for clothing. But, mm-hmm. yeah, anything like that. Um, and the other thing is if you want to use that and you're not happy with people coming to your home and it's something that's movable, so obviously if it's not a couch or, um, you know, something big and heavy, if it's, you know, books, clothing, craft items, all that kind of stuff, if you've got a family member that's happy to p- put their address or take the, um, mm. the calls or the messages on your behalf to have items collected, you can always put yeah. a third person in there. And you can always deliver as well. So you can always say you're willing to deliver to nearby places mm-hmm. um, if you don't want people coming to your home. Um, another thing that is a, a good way of getting rid of stuff is to have, but if you've got issues with security um, and you've got concerns about that, then you can have a private garage sale. So basically that's like pretty much the same as a regular garage sale, but it's invitation only. So you just invite the people that you want to come. So friends and family and acquaintances or workmates or whatever, they can um, come to your home and buy stuff off you um, if if that's what you want to do as well. So that's the, an option as well. Similarly to that is kind of what I call a bequest party. <laughs> um, so that's where you get everything out that you don't want uh, and that you don't necessarily want to sell. Um, so this is kind of a giveaway activity. And invite your family and friends over and tell them to help themselves to whatever they want. So get, you know, the children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever, um, get them over and say to them, I don't want any of this stuff. So go at it. You know, everything You can say everything with a red sticker can go uh, everything with a blue sticker can go as well but um, you have to pay me for that you know that whatever arrangement you want to make um, and then people just come over and help themselves mm, I like that what about secondhand dealers what's your experience I'm wa- with them yeah I'm wary of secondhand dealers yeah. <laughs> I mean sure there's some absolutely good reputable ones out there uh, but there are people that also pretend to be secondhand dealers that aren't, which is a risk. Um, but they often only take selected items anyway, and they often won't collect. So we tend to not use secondhand dealers a great deal. Um, and a lot of dealers will buy stuff off marketplace anyway. So if you are doing stuff on marketplace, you might end up having a secondhand dealer buy from you. But um is sort of then at least you're open to a, a broad market and you're not just limiting yourself to mm. you know a couple of people who only take things that they particularly want and and it's okay like it, it's they're not like I said they're not there's some that can rip you off but most of them are really you know reputable but it's just that they won't take everything and so it's just another separate way to dispose of things instead of kind of getting it all out at once if that makes sense mm. um we are really aware of people out there who do this kind of thing where they they basically um, and we've we've had it's kind of they're kind of like competition to our business these people and there's been a couple of like there was one Mick got a message from a woman saying that she'd got a quote from this business. And they basically quoted half of Mick's rate to clear the house. And what happened was she went with Mick instead because a friend of hers had also gone with somebody who had quoted a certain amount to get rid of all of it. And then they'd found out later that some of the belongings were worth a lot more than what they thought and that, that this person had basically gotten all of the value of that stuff for but they'd paid this person to have that stuff and get all the money for that stuff basically so what they sometimes do is come in and say look we'll some some of them will actually say we'll clear your house out for nothing we'll just take the stuff as our payment and in that case you can get really ripped off because there are some high value things that can get um you know lost to you um 
and then some of them will actually charge you. There's one guy, there's one um, guy that one of our clients dealt with through one of the parents-in-laws and then we were dealing with them with the next set. And they used this person and they ended up having to pay, like he advertised himself as selling their items for them, right? Like as an auctioneer. And then they ended up having to pay him because the amount they got for the stuff was less than what he was charging to come and collect it. So it was like, I don't know, it was just terrible. All right, so there um, are and this some is traps why, out there. Oh, there's some traps out there. One of our clients, um, here's another story just to make people aware, but we had one client and um, that was a husband and wife team and the husband had uh, dementia and um, the wife and Mick and the husband were all working together to um, to clear this out. So they had hired Mick. Mick had started the job. He had moved a whole lot of their unwanted stuff into what, what he'd zoned as an unwanted zone, ready to go to the auction house. He hadn't finished. So we went back one day and I was going with him that day to help. And we were going to be moving more unwanted things that they'd made decisions about into that zone. So we went downstairs into this basement area where the unwanted zone was. And we opened the door and Mick looked at it and then he looked at me and he said, there's something wrong. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, there's like half the stuff's gone. All three quarters of the stuff is gone. He said, I don't know where, where it's all gone. So we went back upstairs um, to ask the wife where the stuff had gone that was ready to go to auction. And she said, oh, well, um, she said, my husband found, wanted to help. And when she was out one day, he found somebody in the, in the classifieds in the local paper that said that they pay for your stuff. So he rang him up. The guy came over, said, I'll give you $500 for all of this, helped himself to thousands of dollars worth of stuff mm. and left. And, you know, the wife said, look, I can't, I can't be upset. You know, he, he was helping and, you know, he obviously wanted to help and he thought that was, that was helping. But this, there's no way this man, I think it was like three or $500. There's no way that guy there's no way he did not know he was getting because Mick said it's about five or six thousand dollars worth of stuff oh. and there's no way that guy didn't know that he was take, getting away with that so this is why we warn people to be really careful and this is why we do we, we structure our business the way we structure it where Mick gives a fixed quote for his time and his project management fees and then the items for disposal anything that is sold the money goes directly to the client there's nothing sort of in between there so mm-hmm. um so we can be transparent positive that people know yeah that it's all fair and it's all above board and, and there's nothing that's going to get no, no ripping off that happens but it happens so be very careful about a guy in the classifieds or an auctioneer or anyone who will say we'll take it all for you for free just be aware of that it's it's dangerous so that's if you want to try and sell your things. What if you're giving them away? You mentioned the bequest party. What other options do you have mm. for donating? Yeah, so obviously local charities, same as always. Uh, ask around, uh, research what's important to you and what you value and go with a charity that's aligned with that. So if you're really interested in animal welfare, there are charities that have uh, that are animal welfare related that have stores that you can donate to um or you can donate your linen to an, a shelter of that you know for dogs that need need linen and stuff like that so yeah whatever's important to you and ask your friends they there are lots of local charities there's lots of small charities ask around we, and there'll um, be some, someone that you can give to when we were leaving the uk we donated one of our cars to a veterans charity that they come oh, and cool. pick up old cars and either scrap them and or sell them on and then all the money goes to veterans welfare Um, which I'd never heard of before, but someone said, oh, what are you doing with your car? And we said, well, one of them we were selling and the other one we were like, well, we don't know what to do with that. It's probably not worth a lot of energy to sell. It wasn't Mm. um, worth much. And they said, oh, why don't you think about this charity? So, yeah, I think it pays to research with some of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, You can give stuff to friends and family. Do not dump stuff on friends and family unless they want it. Mm. because you don't want to be passing your your clutter burden onto them, uh, but if they want stuff, uh, let them know what's available, and they might be happy to have it. Uh, obviously, we've already talked about marketplace, so you can give away our marketplace. There are some groups that are like buy nothing groups, so 
you can donate to a local person through your buy nothing group because it's a real locally based sort of thing or you can just give it away in general to anyone who wants it um you can stick it out in your front yard with a sign on it that says free or help yourself so Mm. that's another way um here in Australia, it's a very common way of getting rid of things is to just stick it out on the verge <laughs> and someone invariably comes and collects it. You do have to be aware, though, that when you put stuff out on the verge, that is technically classified as illegal dumping. So if you're going to do it, don't leave it out for long. Um, don't leave it out for three or four days. Just put it out during the day. And if it hasn't been snapped up quickly, then it's likely that you need to to take it to the dump or something like that instead but yeah just be aware of those laws because you could get yourself in trouble but it is a very effective way of of things leaving yeah and that advertising online in those marketplace and gumtree for free anything that Mm. we've had trouble either selling even at a low cost um anything that we put on for free people just within 30 minutes it's like we'll take it we're coming (laughs) <laughs> it's yep. like, okay um it's yep. awesome yeah it's almost faster than sticking it out on the verge <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what about recycling then okay so there's heaps of stuff that can be recycled and um you know we've got you've got metal stuff so you've got um like old appliances and things like that which can all be recycled uh obviously there are smaller things as well like your x-rays can be recycled uh cardboard moving boxes all that kind of stuff of course you also need to dispose carefully of your hazardous waste so that's not necessarily recycling but that's a careful disposal so check with your local regulations on hazardous waste batteries e-waste all those kinds of things um, need to be recycled in special ways there in australia the website recyclingnearyou.com.au is a great resource for Uh, recycling all sorts of different materials in your local area you can also check out um, recyclenow.com in the uk and in the us it's recycling center near me so there's a few ways and obviously in your own country just google recycle and then your country and that's you'll be able to find the site that's how we found those sites so um that that'll give you some advice on what can be recycled and how and in what area and how you can get it there and all that kind of stuff i'll also put the link to those three on our um on our website on our show notes if you uh want to go go there to click straight through yep finally there's stuff that you just have to trash or dump so you can use a skip company. I don't know what skips are called in the US or the UK. Tara, do you know? Are they called skips as well? I don't think they're called skips here. Dumpsters? Dumpsters, Maybe? yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I think dumpster would be a good one, but I don't know if dumpsters are more things that are permanently placed in commercial places or whether they're ones you can hire for your own place or not. But basically, yeah, a skip is like a dumpster that you can hire to get delivered to your house, which you fill up with rubbish and then they take it away. There's 1-800-GOT-JUNK, which I know is also in the US and Canada, and I'm not sure about yep. the UK. So that company is really good because you can put well, first of all, they do all of the work for you. So you just have to point to stuff and they'll load it all in. They will also separate out reusable, uh, recyclable and combustible stuff. And then the last little percentage goes to landfill. So uh, they do all the separating for you as well. So those are options for getting rid of rubbish. And the great thing is that a lot of the good quality companies, again, if you get the cheapest one, you might not be this might not be valid, but a lot of them will send as, as little as possible to landfill. So they do a lot of work in pulling out all of the bits and pieces that can be recycled and reused. Yeah, and that helps you to sleep at night, especially if you're getting rid of a lot of stuff and yeah. you're trashing it and you feel bad about the the big amount yeah. going to landfill. They'll try and recycle it because it's in their yeah. best interest. Yeah, that's right. And 1-800-GOT-JUNK especially, they on average send less than 3%, I think, to landfill. So it's a really low amount. So it's actually quite, it, it is quite a bit of a an ease on the conscience. So are there any last things we have to keep in mind when downsizing that we haven't already covered? I kind of mentioned the unwanted zone briefly, but an unwanted zone is really important in your house for clarity. So as you're going through your areas, 
everything that you designate as unwanted, you either stick a sticker on it if it's big or you put it into the unwanted zone if it's small. And that sort of keeps you aware of what areas you've been through and what areas you haven't. And it means that when you're disposing of things, everything's all in the one place. So it's a bit easier for you as well. Yeah. And I'm guessing you can also probably do it in waves. If you're doing, if this is a process, maybe you're thinking of downsizing in the next 12 months or in the next five years or something, you can do a sweep of your kitchen now and let go of a few things you're not using and then revisit Mm -hmm. in six months and be a little bit more ruthless and and keep revisiting and and look at the things that you might not have used in the last couple of months and think, well, can I live without that permanently so that it doesn't feel like one major declutter all at once. And another thing you can do is pretend that some of your things don't exist and see how you cope. So just say to yourself, I'm not going to use a blender, my blender for six months. I'm going to pretend I don't have a blender for six months and I'm going to see if that really upsets me and annoys me and inconveniences me. And if at the end of the six months you've found that you've actually made do quite well, you'll find it much easier then to dispose of that that food processor at that that time. Yep. Five five months I've lived without a grater, Beck. Woo! Wow. And I don't buy grated Doing cheese. Well. So that's... I was just going to say you, you have your lumpy cheese yeah, now, don't you? crumbled. Lumpy crumbled cheese. Blender. Blender cheese. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how we... Like parmesan cheese is kind of... You well, can do parmesan I, I, okay, cheese Okay, to blender. be fair, I do have a little plain grater that I use for parmesan cheese or like nutmeg. Yeah. Or, yeah, I just don't have the yeah. big chunky box grater anymore. And I'm, yeah. And I'm yeah. surviving. And so what about your carrot? How do you do your carrot? I don't grate carrot. Oh. I will put it in the spiralizer. That's the difference. Oh. So, so you don't have a grater, but you've got I've a I've got a massive spiralizer. But we inherited <laughs> we inherited the spiralizer from the Australians that lived here before us. So oh, it was already so was here. Already so I, didn't, I wouldn't have bought one. But because yeah. I've got that, I'm like, well, that'll do. Yeah, they'll do. Yeah, exactly. It does a similar job. So it's amazing what kind of workarounds you can come up with and be creative. So if you can test that yeah. out in your own home before you move, you might be surprised and it might make the decision-making a bit easier. Agree. Okay, so if you've got some great downsizing tips, we would love to hear about them in our Facebook community. And we will be back next week talking about uh, helping other people downsize and clearing estates. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.